Lesson eight <clears throat> this morning in our books, The Christian Inventory. Uh, <clears throat> you take that word, inventory. Inventory, we could say, is defined as what? What you have in stock, what you have, um, what you don't have. You know, inventory is what we got or what we don't have. And the title, as you can read, The Christian Inventory. Finding out things that we have <clears throat> or the things that we don't have. In the introduction, the first line says, defines it as qualities. The qualities that should be present in the life of a Christian. It lays out that the New Testament answers this question, what quality should be present in the life of a Christian? Of course, he urged our Lord and urged his followers to be humble, compassionate, meek, righteous, merciful, pure, peaceful, and faithful, the Beatitudes of Matthew 5, 3 through 10. Apostle Paul had an assembler list of the fruits of the Spirit, fruit of the Spirit rather, is love, joy, peace, long suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. Out of Galatians 5. Paul exhorted the Christians to put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long suffering, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. Forgive those who have a complaint against you, but above all things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Let the peace of God rule in your hearts, Paul wrote, to which also you're called in one body, be thankful, Colossians 3, 12 through 15. These verses in Scripture, as the book lays out for us, instruct Christians, the followers of Jesus, to develop these things while here on earth. And just like our lesson today, there, these are referenced as the Christian graces and the list that <clears throat> is up on top of page uh, 83 there. Um, and Peter felt that these needed to be laid out because there are certain teachers, uh, if you go back and do some in-depth study on it, uh, this time that were promising people could live immoral <clears throat> and still go to heaven. Uh, kind of like today, isn't it? Uh, there are a lot of people who teach today. Most people do not, they'll, they'll exclude those immoral things, but a lot of people say, oh, you can do this and this and this and this and still go to heaven. Um, but that was the case. So Peter felt it need, needful to add these things in his writing. And notice he starts with what? Faith, virtue, add to your faith virtue, to virtue knowledge, 
knowledge to self-control, self-control to perseverance, perseverance to godliness, to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. Um, spiritual growth, <clears throat> it says in our book, is the major theme in Second Peter. He linked the grace and peace to the knowledge of God and our Jesus, our Lord. And he commanded his readers to do what? What does it say? Grow what? That's right. Grace and peace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. He called upon his audience to be diligent in their efforts to grow. And we need to consider these qualities that belong to Christians and the Christian inventory, if you will. And in this lesson, we're going to reflect on those growing and developing as we should. <clears throat> you know, that's the, the question this morning. Are we growing as we should in these things? You know, your add to your faith begins with faith. Is your faith growing? Um, I would probably say that each one of us would probably say, well, yeah, it's growing, it's growing, it's growing. But is it really growing? Um, can we add these things to our life? Have we added them? Um, and are they always present? Um, and as we, as we entitled this, are we doing it self-inventory? Looking at yourself personally this morning, and do I exhibit these characteristics? And I, I think that's the key to our study today. The first section begins with faith, adding to faith. God, there in 5 through 8, <clears throat> notice this. He's given to us all things that pertain to what? Life and godliness. What does that mean? <clears throat> Everything that we need to live here, all the answers, all the whatever we need, to sustain us in physical, spiritually, whatever the case may be, while we're here upon this earth. Life and godliness. And he says, through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, and having shown that the exceeding great and precious promises provided to us enable us to be partakers of the divine nature. And at the bottom of that page, it says, Peter encouraged his readers to act for this very reason with what? Diligence. Diligence. We need to get after it, he says. We need to be um, active, if you will. One commentator writes there at the top of page 84, because participation in God's divine nature is possible, we as believers or as Christians are to do what? 
make every effort. Uh, this is the first imperative command in the epistle and the central command of this section. To work diligently with earnest zeal and passion. Bringing to bear whatever energy, time, resources, and opportunities are at their disposal for one purpose. Seeing the possibility of participating in God's nature actually realized here now in their lives. Peter's point is that since it is possible to come like God, it is possible to come like God. It's worth every effort to see that it actually happens. So he says, diligently to make every effort. Um, Energy, time, resources, he mentions there. Um, This commentator puts out for us to think about. And I guess it goes back to the question, are we doing that? And only you and I can answer that question individually. Our spiritual journey begins with what? Faith. Uh, Romans 10, verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the word of God. One must have this. The foundation, as the book points out, which growth occurs. Go on in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. Without faith, it is impossible to what? Please God. Without faith. Now the next, the next little sentence there says, If we possess genuine faith, which manifests itself in what? Obedience. Obedience, yeah. Obedience to God. We are God's children. Genuine faith. I think the key there is genuine. When something's genuine, what is it? It's real. Um, the lesson we had Wednesday night when I spoke up at camp, we uh, had, uh, there was a couple sections there that was not going to be uh, preached on or brought on, whatever. And I'd already talked to Brother Edward, and he was going to go another way for the last lesson on Thursday night. So I took the church and the Bible, and finding the original Bible, the originality of the church, the true church. And i done the um, old taste test, old taste test you used to say on the, the uh, TV, you know, for, I think it was Coke or Pepsi one, the challenge, they had that big war going on, you know, and they'd put them behind little little barriers and have the drinks full of the drink, and they'd say, oh, that's the real one, and uh, sometimes they'd get it, sometimes they wouldn't. Uh, I've done that with Dr. Pepper. I had three kids come up and do a taste test, and I had I had Diet Dr. Pepper, Real Dr. Pepper, and uh, Cream Soda, Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper. Um, so finding the original, you know, you have to go back to the ingredients. You, um, and I think it's the genuine. That's what we're talking about here: the genuine faith, having genuine faith, uh, something that's real. And he says that's a starting point. He says, and add to your faith. There. So, you know, we know that <clears throat> the steps of salvation, hearing, believing, repent, confess, and be baptized, when one hears and believes that faith is exhibited and shown, and he completes that 
obedience through baptism. So you, you look here, it says, add to your faith, that's the foundation. Now one, one part of this uh, section here says, trusting God is the root from which all other virtues spring. <clears throat> Those who rely upon God and his promises begin to live in a new way. All the godly, as what commentator writes here, all the godly virtues in the Christian life find their source in faith. And trusting God for everything and the culmination and climax of such faith is love. So, you know, what is faith? What is it? Okay. Does that involve God? Trust, yeah, trust in God. What do you have? What's that? Yeah, we talked about that this week, seeing God clearly. How do we know God is real? You know, we talked about that with kids. I've done a survey while we were up there, and it was very interesting. I surveyed um, 92 of the kids, and it was very... I have the numbers written down at home. I didn't bring them with me, but it was very interesting. The questions were, uh, is, is there a heaven and hell? Is eternity last forever? Is the word of God truly from God? Uh, does it matter what church you go to? There was one other one. I can't remember now exactly what it was, but it was very interesting because I had 28. I think it was 28 out of the 92 that... The key was to answer yes to all of them, but then they had the, they had no and don't know. So 28 out of the 92 either said no or don't know about one of those five questions. It's very, and that's at a church camp. And didn't have them put a name to it. Um, <clears throat> one of them could have went either way as far as the church, um, but. Anyway, it's very interesting. Uh, some of the teachers came to me and talked to me about some of what some of the kids were bringing up. Said they really didn't know to know if the Word of God, if, if the Bible was the truly Word of God. Um, they had a really big discussion in Bella Chaffin's class um, about the Life Church. Because <laughs> uh, she brought it up, she brought it up, she says, my preacher, Matthew Scoggins, says there ain't but one church. <laughs> And then she says, well, what about that life church? <laughs> well, in that class, there was two people who go to the life church. Uh, so it was a very interesting conversation, um, is what I understand. But uh, anyway, the survey was very eye-opening for how some of our kids believe and think. Um, and it should show us how that we should learn how to protect and teach our kids. Because they're being influenced, believe me, um, by those things. But anyway, uh, between faith and the ultimate goal of love, Peter puts love in there, mentions virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, and brotherly kindness. Uh, Brother Wood says each of these graces grows out of and is produced by one which precedes it. Each creates and makes possible the next. Each tempers and makes perfect that which goes before it. Um... And others may argue that uh, they don't build, necessarily build on each other. 
But Christians must give diligence to develop each characteristic in their life. Now, Wayne Jackson gives us kind of a, <clears throat> a definition, I guess you could say, of each one of those. Virtue, virtue being morality or a moral fiber about you. Knowledge being the ability to discern truth from error in harmony with uh, sacred revelation. Self-control. Abstinence from things harmful, moderation in things permissible. Patience, steadfastness under trying circumstances. Godliness, piety combined with a God-towardness disposition. Brotherly kindness, a practical love that reflects a care for others that normally would be expected of brothers. Uh, and then love, the noblest emotion of all, it is a selfless dedication to others. So he kind of gives you a definition of each one of those. <clears throat> so you, you ask yourself, you know, do you, have, uh, do you have the morals that you should have? Or do, you know, we support things um, that are not moral? And, and that's, that's like one of the keys. But you just go through that list and say, do I have that? You know, do I abstain from those things that are harmful? Um, do I look to God? Do I have a godly appearance or whatever toward God? Do I think godly things? Do I participate in godly things? So you could just go on and on with that. Um, but again, according to Peter, those who develop these qualities will be neither what? Yeah. So what does that say to us? When we when we uh, manifest these qualities as a Christian, um, does it mean that we're always going? Everything's just always going to be what rosy and you know a rose covered road. But he does say you won't be barren and you won't be unfruitful. Things will come, uh, and and we all know that when we exhibit those things. When you exhibit those things, how hard would it be for us to <clears throat> get angry if we're exhibiting those things? I'm not saying that anger would not come sometimes. I'm just saying if we exhibited these things, would it be harder to be angry at someone? Sure, sure it would. When we exhibit these things in our lives, uh, patience, You're right, you're right. Um, but how, maybe to what we speak, let's go that route. What we speak sometimes are, are, is hurtful. Um, would these things help curb that? Most certainly they would. Um, yeah, exactly. So the, the point I'm trying to make there is these things can help curb, curb or, or eliminate those things that you and I struggle with, um, when these things outweigh those things, um, and, and it's now it's it's a work, it's 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 a struggle, it's not easy, okay, um, but it would be to our uh, best, I guess, if you could say, to 
um, exhibit those things. The second uh, section there, lacking these things. So we're talking about possessing those things and faith. Those who develop the Christian graces in their lives, those who fail, rather, to develop the Christian graces in their lives are described as short-sighted, even to blindness. Uh, one version it says there, the ESV uses the term nearsighted. It says, uh, one commentator writes, as Peter wishes to say that a person who neglects the cultivation of spiritual values is blind to the truth of God's word. Such a man is able to see earthly things that are nearby, but unable to see heavenly things that are far away. And he's spiritually blind. So, and it goes on, it says, Not surprisingly, the one who is spiritually nearsighted fails to appreciate what God has done for him, or it even says, has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. In verse 9, uh, this is an especially terrible thing given the wonderful sacrifice Jesus made for humanity. We can combat, the book lays out for us, spiritual nearsightedness instead of forgetting we have been forgiven. And we can cherish the cleansing power of Jesus' blood. Um, Ephesians 1 and verse 7, In him we have redemption through his blood, uh, the forgiveness of sins according to uh, his riches according to the riches of his grace. Um, uh, Peter here adds, he says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. Um, he says to make every effort, he urged them, cultivate these things in their lives. What does it mean to Cultivate. Nurture, nourish, we cultivate our, our gardens, ground, to prepare it so that what? Seed beds? So that we can grow. Just cultivate it. Give it the food that it needs. Give it the water it needs. Give it the fertilizer that it needs. All those things. And he says right above that, we just read, it says it'll never stumble. Does that mean that we'll never sin? No. No. That's right. We are all sin. Um, <clears throat> we are going to stumble, um, but when we do some stumble, it's still there, isn't it? If we stumble so far to our hearts become seared and whatever, one may forget for a while what God had done for him, but it's still what? Still in there. They may not act that way. They may not live that way. Um, but it's still there uh, as long as one is, is alive and has good mind. Then uh, <clears throat> one of the commentators here, right, Warden, says, there's hardly a verse in the New Testament where the sovereignty of God is more delicately, um, I don't know what that word is, juxtap juxtaposed with the three choices of humans than this one. The lost come to Christ and find life by God's calling and choosing. The question is how God goes about calling and choosing people for his kingdom. In his choice, arbitrary divine um, fiat 
uh, a sovereign choice made in eternity past, or does God call all those through the gospel? Um, you know, when we read Second uh, Thessalonians two and through fourteen, it says, "To which the called you by, by he called you by uh, our gospel." Um, we are called by the gospel. Our denominational friends will say that they are called by God uh, in a miraculous way. God spoke to me or whatever. One of the young men that I studied with at camp this past week um, said he had been saved and he came forward during the sermon and I was talking with him. I had to make a decision and so we studied for about two hours or two and a half hours uh, into the night and, and uh, he revealed to me how he was saved. And it was, uh, it was just like we were just talking about. Uh, called him to the front of, he said, I don't know what they call that. He said, um, what do you call it? Um, stay, I can't remember now. And I said, altar? He said, oh yeah, 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 that's what they call it, altar. Um, and had me repeat after this man. And uh, he said, the man had me repeat after him and accepting Jesus and praying this prayer and uh, just totally off. And, and he was, and what was amazing is the young man through my lesson had underlined and circled every verse that I, that I had used in my lesson. And because um, actually we were studying later in the lodge I noticed as he was turning, he said, I underlined that when he was preaching. I said, well, good. But, um, sometimes, you don't <clears throat> sometimes you don't think uh, kids are listening or paying attention, but they are. Uh, uh, Brandon, your, your girl, um, when she came forward in her statement to, to repent and be baptized, she said, I don't, uh, I've, been, I've been shacked up or living with the devil expecting God to pay the rent. Now, I said that in a sermon or a lesson or something here probably two months ago. Um, and Reagan brought it out in, when she wrote it down on her piece of paper up there. So sometimes you think kids aren't listening, but they are. Um, I, I, I was amazed by that because sometimes I don't think y'all are listening, <laughs> to be honest with you. Um, but they're listening a whole lot more, I guess, than what we, what we think. And even little Bella, you know, my preacher says. <laughs> um, so they, they do listen and, and pay attention. Uh, so again, we must accept God's call on God's terms. When we do as he bids, we can have confidence that he will keep his promises. Um, 1 John 2 and verse 28 says that we can have that confidence and not be ashamed. <clears throat> Uh, in fact, an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 1 and verse 11. So, you know, having that, uh, when one lacks those things, uh, he must be called by the gospel. And once he's made that decision or she has made that decision to become a Christian, she must grow in these areas. So... Uh, again, you know, Peter's reaffirming those things. And then Peter tells the people here, he tells them in the beginning, he says, you got to have faith, you got to add to that faith. Then you got to, if you don't have that, you need this. 
And then you look at the last section, stirring remembrance. Um, he says, I want to keep these things in your mind, to remind you always of these things. Truth needs to be repeated, the book says. A future hope is indeed well known to Christians. Yet reminders of it and exhortations regarding its application to life and service are essential. Um, Peter declared, yes, I think it is right as long as I am in this tent to stir you up by reminding you. And it talks about what the tent is there in the body. And, and as long as he lived in that body, his intent was to do what? Preach the gospel. Preach the gospel. Stir up remembrance. Repeat things to be reminded. Uh, people need to be reminded. Uh, his opportunities were limited. He resolved to use every occasion to teach and encourage his brethren. And uh, he concluded, moreover, I will be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after my decease. I think that's a key. Even for us today, our families, our children need reminders from us even after we're dead and gone. Like I see the classes are out there, so we're going to have to stop. Uh, right there this morning. So if you will, bow with me and let's end with a prayer. Father in heaven, we're thankful again for the day, the good morning you've given us, the time that we have had to study. Father, we pray that we can add these things to our lives to be better people, that we can grow and be better mature Christians. And Father, we pray for uh, all of us who lack in these things that we can Bring them to, um, to be seen in our lives, to be better people. Forgive us. Be with those who need our prayers this morning and be with us as we worship you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.